All right. Welcome. Good morning and welcome to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and today we are going to be talking about it's really a, a relationship masterclass. What does it take to not only overcome past relationships, but how do we become our best selves um, for the next stage of our lives? Whether or not that immediately means a new relationship or if it's just about um, pursuing a new career, traveling the world, what is it? Um, we, today we're gonna be talking about that next great phase of your life um, before, during, and after uh, that relationship. And why, why, why relationships? And the reason is because it literally impacts every aspect of your life. So what happens in your relationship impacts what's happening and how you perform in your mindset on your job, the way that you parent, uh, the way that you, you know, pursue your life, the way that you handle COVID. So there's so many factors that relationships impact that I thought it would be really important to revisit this conversation about relationships and healing and living your best life. And I have a great guest on the show today, Marcus Joyner III. His, he's actually joined us a few times in the past to talk about his own transition um, and, you know, out of a relationship um, from divorce and really um, just some of the, the steps and the measures that he took to enhance his own life. So I am looking forward to this conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, your strategies. We're going to be looking at healing from three particular um, standpoints, three keys um, and that's refocusing, rebuilding, reloving. For those of you who have read my book, you're familiar with this. This is what we'll be talking about today. I'm very excited. So stay with us. We've got a great show ahead of you. Get on Facebook, comment, leave your, your uh, thoughts, and uh, we were, we're going to have a great show. So stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. Um, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, today we are talking about relationships. We're looking at how we use these um, experiences to grow and to become even better. Um, every experience is intended to uh, aid in our growth and our development and the pursuit of our purpose. So are we allowing our relationships to do this for us? Um, or, you know, are we allowing them to further debilitate us? It's, it's really important that we are intentional about the lessons that we can learn from our relationships. So I want to introduce you to uh, today's guest. Um, Marcus Joyner III. Um, Marcus Joyner III attended Norfolk State University and he is currently attending Cal State uh, University um, East Bay um, in their hospitality program, um, which is great because look, uh, we all need a vacation. We all need um, experts in the hospitality industry. Um, we all need a reprieve, especially now. <laughs> um, Marcus Joyner III has also um, experienced divorce and went and, and really spent a year and a half in therapy to, um, to to address you know any of the challenges that came from that divorce. And um, this is so important. And the reason why I um, appreciate him being willing to come on the show about this is because um, this is a stigma. Uh, in the black community and particularly with black men. And so I would love to see more of this. Um, so without further ado, I would love to bring on Marcus Joyner III. Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah. Welcome back. I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's good to have you back. 
a lot different in the studio. It is. It's a lot different. <laughs> but we will be back in the studio. Um, and good morning to Ty. I see Ty Peace is, is commenting and he has said, good morning, King. So, um, yes, good morning, Ty. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I just want to kick off this conversation. I know that we have um, talked about this before. Uh, you experienced divorce. You went through therapy. I'm curious to know, um, you know, it's been some a little bit. I think the first time you were on the show, it might have been a year ago. It might have been a year, half, a year and a half ago. It was probably more like a year and a half. Um, it's been a while. The, yeah. the first time you were on the show. The first, yes, yeah, about um, two years. Two years, okay, okay. Um, because in that that show, you were talking about, you know, your your experience going through therapy. Then here we are, two years later. I would love to hear how that maybe has has impacted your life. Uh, two years later, is it still working? You know, where? How did that? You know, what's your look on that? Two years later. Um, oh, it's definitely still still working. Um, like I said, it doesn't necessarily fix things. It allows right. you to understand um, where where things are coming from. And when you can understand like the root of problems or you, you understand what's happening, then you can you can deal with it better. So it's not a, it's not a fixer. It's more right. of um, understanding, you know, how you feel and why. Yeah. And that's such a good point that it is really more about awareness of self and awareness of why things are happening or, you know, and I do think that people go thinking, and look, I'll be honest, I went to therapy and I sat down, I said, look, I think it was March, maybe. And I said, look, my 40th birthday is uh, in December. So by then I need to be fixed. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be good. And, um, you know, and the the funny thing is, you know, she didn't attempt to correct me or anything. But what I quickly learned is that it's about doing the work. It's about being intentional. It's about being willing to have those hard conversations, being willing to be vulnerable. Um, and, And so, yeah, it's not it's not just this magic potion uh, that you take. Um, it's not that you're going to sit down with a therapist and they're going to write the prescription to solve all your problems. You have to do the work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm yeah, curious exactly. to know what kind of, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you don't have to get too personal if it's not, you know, within your realm of sharing, but I'm curious to know what kind of work did you experience? experience having to do um as a result of therapy um you mean while while i was going through it both because i know that it continues you know after the fact um there there are things that you want to maintain you know after having gone through it okay so my my main maintaining is about um staying staying in the space um the people i have around me um um, positive, uh, kind of like the same m- mindset. Um, just because my circle is, is very, is very tight. And, yeah. um, so I'm very like part of the job, like I, going through the work, the initial work, it was, it was hard. And I feel like I earned this, this, this piece. So mm-hmm. is my, is my job to protect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, um, kind of do the things I need to do to, stay in this in this space and it's it's not as easy 
No, it's not. And I and I just have to re-emphasize that point that you made. You did the work. You worked hard to earn this piece, and you have to do what it takes to protect it. Woo-hoo. Whew, that's good because that's my life. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I, gotta, I can't protect it. So we're gonna continue this conversation. We're gonna uh, go into trending topics when we come back. But stay with us. Get involved in this session. We'll be right back. With the lobby. Trending topics. Part of the show used to be, you know, we focus on politics and talk social justice and, and just different issues. And, um, you know, we we haven't really, we've kind of moved away from that a little bit because the politics over the past four years has been, um, you know, it's just been kind of not appealing to talk about. So, um, but I will go there today because we had the um, first Democratic presidential debate Um Tuesday, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? It was Tuesday. And, um, but from a relationship standpoint, what I thought was really interesting was that after. As uh, Biden and, uh, you know, uh, the two wives came to the stage, there was a very different response. We saw, you know, a, a warm embrace versus, you know, um, the Trumps just kind of stood there awkwardly, you know, very interesting, very interesting dynamic there um, with the relationship. So I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to see the full clip or if we saw it, but if you, if you get a chance, um, you're definitely check it out. It's, it's a really interesting dynamic there, but we've seen this before, right? We've seen this before. And the reason why I thought this was so interesting to highlight is because there are, um, uh, to me, there are things that that stand out. Um, you know, everybody's relationship isn't necessarily public, and for you know, and could be for public as well. But there are some things that are quite noticeable that you know make you think, "Hmm, I wonder what's going on over there." <laughs> um, so I I don't know if you noticed that, Marcus. Um, I know that you were also watching the debate, but the uh, the interaction between the spouses after. I, I just found quite interesting. <laughs> I, I actually did see it. I actually did see it. I was I was kind of looking forward to see uh, just just to see that. So yeah, I, I absolutely saw exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's been a number of of situations in which the body language of um, Melania has been less than warm, um, you know, towards her husband, and um, it's interesting because one of the first things that I talk about in my book, Letters to the Brokenhearted, is how we had this picture perfect household. You know, the you know everything. Everybody thought, oh, this is such a great marriage. Everything is great. And so, what strikes me is that I I was able to fake it. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I, I I'm, I'm curious to know, um, you know, what people think about that because faking it isn't good either. You know, so it. it it's interesting that in many cases, and in, in, in a lot of times when I've seen these two together, Melania is not faking anything. She is clearly not happy. She is clearly um, just, you know, she's not, you know, doesn't have this warm, I guess, uh, demeanor towards her husband. Um, and and I, I'm, what's better, you know? <laughs> and I don't even know if we could place value on it, but you know, it's better to... Go ahead. You're you're on. You're in the public spotlight. You're under the world spotlight. Do you fake it, or do you you know show what's going on? 
<laughs> well, one of the, one, one of one of one of my models, one of the things that I've learned is always be true to yourself. Yes. So whatever that means for you, if that means um, faking it, then go ahead and fake it. But um, I, I think you can only fake it so much, though. I think the people that yeah. really know you and the people that's really observing, they can see. They may not know what's going on, but they can say something is going on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and while I may not obviously know all the things that are going on in the background, um, I believe that there's some sort of cry for help that is happening. I mean, when you're in the public eye, and you know, the whole world is looking and you refuse to hold your husband's hand and you refuse to, you know, I, I don't know. To me, there's there's a cry for help happening there. So, um, yeah. <laughs> And as as people are saying, you know, um, Jamie is saying you can only fake for so long, you know, and, and it doesn't serve you to do this. But I do understand when you're in certain situations, you know, what are you going to do? You know, um, right. it, it, behind the scenes, you've got to get the help you need. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but I just thought that was a very interesting um, contrast in the way that the two couples approached each other. <laughs> it was. It definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, we've seen this before, so it's not necessarily anything new. <laughs> so one of the things that I um, am also interested in and, and really just try to um, focus on when we, when we talk about these relationships and how they impact the rest of our lives, um, you know, are the lessons that are learned. Um, you know, so I, I spend a lot of time in Letters to the Brokenhearted to talk about, you know, the challenges, but then I spend a lot of time on the lessons. Um, and it, as you know, heartbreak can take a toll on us. There was a statistic that was just put up that says that there's, there's an actual condition that heartbreak can, can create in somebody. Um, what would you just say to somebody, Marcus, who is experiencing heartbreak and they're kind of going down the wrong road, the wrong road being bitterness. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to talk to anybody else again. You know, what, what's the first thing that you suggest to people in that situation? Um, I mean, I would say it's, it's, it's okay in that moment to, to, to feel that because that's, that's, that's how you're feeling at the time. Um, yeah. You know, it's, and I think it's okay. Um, but then you have to come to a point where um, you want to do better. You know, you, you want to, you want to change. Like you have to go through, um, the process of of mourning that you know relationship. Um, so you gotta let right. you know if you want to cry, cry. But then there's gonna be a point of when you gotta kind of get going. You kind of gotta change. Mm -hmm. Think about the 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 good things came came from that relationship, and you know you want to seek that better. You know you want to get that back, but not the bad things. So and kind of figure right. out how to get there. One of the things that my therapist told me was not to feel guilty. Um, in thinking back and thinking about what you miss about it and thinking about some of the things that were good about it, because that is part of your experience. And, so, and when we feel the guilt around reflecting and, and um, uh, reminiscing, it, it actually makes us beat ourselves up uh, even more and unnecessarily when it's okay, according to what she told me, it's okay to just allow yourself to have those thoughts and acknowledge those thoughts. Don't let them take over, but acknowledge them. And it allows you to move on even more easily when uh, you don't 
beat yourself up over having them. So, um, so that was eye-opening to me. So you mean to say that I can actually think about this past situation without wondering, do I have issues? Because I still think about it, you know? So, um, but we're going to go to a break. So um, stay with us, uh, continue with your comments. Definitely want to continue to hear from you all. Uh, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm joined by Marcus Joyner III, and we are talking about relationships, so relationship um, recovery and really making the most out of the relationship. So one of the things that I uh, absolutely love that Marcus said earlier is this idea of protecting your peace, and um, it's so important. I think that is, especially through COVID, um, I think one of the things that people really need to take extra measures to do is to protect their peace. You said that your circles are tight. Um, what are the kinds of things that you do to actively protect your peace when somebody tries to, um, you know, and I guess what kinds of behaviors threaten your peace? You know, what are the kinds of things that you block? You're like, ah, nope, not here, not here. <laughs> well, um, I guess I've learned, I've learned my triggers. I, I learned what, what's going to get me like, not, not in, um, not in the best mood. So, yeah. uh, but one of the things is I, uh, I learned to communicate. I learned to express what I'm feeling. So, um, if me and the fellas are, are somewhere and we're hanging out and something happens, um, I think before I probably would have not said anything and probably held on to it and held on it for a couple of days. Um, now I, I voice it like right on right right on the spot, and it, it may get discussed, it, it may not, but I got that out, and right. so it's not something that lingers. And they may fire back, and it may be uh, agree to disagree, it may be apology, it may be like I'm overreacting, but it's kind of gotten out, it's settled, it's done, and we moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I find that some people can receive the feedback better than others, <laughs> um, you know, it, and, and it really is not your, I guess, responsibility to make sure that they can receive what you have to say. You, you just say what you have to say and in, in a way that's true to who you are and whether or not they receive it is up to them. And I know that part of my challenge has been in the past, how do I make sure I don't hurt their feelings or how do I make sure they understand me? And, and really that's not, your responsibility. So I, I think that's really important. Um, we're going to transition into the research. All right. So <laughs> the science today is looking at the emotional pain um, that heartbreak can actually bring. So a lot of us underestimate the impact that heartbreak can have. And look, every time a relationship ends doesn't necessarily mean heartbreak follows. So that's important to understand too. Sometimes the relationship just needed to end. The heartbreak happened a long time ago. It's now time to just recover and rebuild and, and, and so forth. But in those cases in which heartbreak has happened, it's important that we understand that there are um, really three primary ways that we are affected. And so number one, we can experience emotional pain that feels like physical pain. 
that that in you know that we struggle with in the same way that we would struggle um, when feeling physical pain. Um, it's it's, and that's one of the reasons why we've got to take it seriously when somebody is going through something. So, I have been watching the Girlfriend series. And, um, <laughs> you know, on Netflix, it's back. And it's so interesting the way that William handled heartbreak. And I'll just leave it at that. But it, it was as if he was experiencing physical pain. It was extremely, um, actually, it was kind of hard for me to watch because it was, it was so sad. <laughs> um, and I'm laughing, but it's not. But it was sad. Um, and then withdrawal symptoms. These powerful withdrawal symptoms. Um, from the loss of a loved one impact our ability to think, to focus and to function um, in the broadest terms. And so when we think about somebody who is experiencing withdrawal from a drug, um, we give them a little bit of grace. We realize that there are some physical ramifications of that and emotional and mental. And so the same is the case when we are having withdrawals from the person that we love. Um, and then the last one is intrusive thoughts. Um, and these are those thoughts that they just keep coming to mind. So this isn't like what I was talking about before when you just have a thought about a, a past relationship or an experience that you had and you have fond memories of that. These are intrusive thoughts that just continue and continue and continue and they don't stop and they haunt your mind all the time. You can't stop thinking of the person. You pour a cup of coffee and you're thinking, gosh, that's, you know, we used to do this together and what happened and what can I do to fix this? And it's just kind of a, it takes over. So the three primary ways that we're affected by heartbreak is the emotional pain, the withdrawals and the intrusive thoughts. So I would love to hear your thoughts on these three um, components, Marcus. Um. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I, I, as you was talking, I was thinking back. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would agree. Um, probably losing some sleep. Definitely losing some sleep. Yeah. Um, you're probably re replaying everything in your mind. You kind of reviewing the entire entire relationship. You know, wishing you would have did this. Maybe you should have done that. Um, you may even get emotional and blame that person. Blame yourself. Um, so yeah, I think you do go through all of that. Um, yeah, and sometimes you can have some some not good thoughts. Um, yeah, it can be that's be rough. Yeah, and that's and that's there's where that whole self awareness thing comes in because you can check yourself if you realize that you're doing that, um, and you might even be able to adopt some strategies to think differently. Um, but yeah, all of those thoughts come to mind. It's it's really and it's not abnormal um you know to have the negative thoughts um but it's what you do with them you know where are you going with this <laughs> that makes all the difference it does definitely yeah one of the things that um when i um i actually did some research on this whole thing and there's this um concept and it's similar to intrusive thoughts it's complicated grief and um and what it is is this, this idea that the intrusive thoughts continue so much that you are experiencing this concept called concept complicated grief and it just um you know there get there comes a point where family friends they're tired of your heartbreak <laughs> they're done they're like okay get over it i'm gonna take you out we're gonna meet get you a new person and you know and so forth um you know how do you 
suggest that somebody who's kind of like, they feel like they have like exhausted all of their friend resources, <laughs> you know, what can they do to encourage themselves and to kind of pull themselves out of this? You mean as far as a person going through it, what can they do? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, if, well, hopefully you, you know, so, okay, with me and it kind of, um, last last summer when my brother passed, it kind of took me to a, a, a different place. And there were some people that wanted to help, some people that wanted to fix me. Some and um, but I gravitated towards those ones who didn't want to do anything because it wasn't no no one could fix me. It was something it was right. something I, I had to go through. Um, so those that hey, you just want to meet for drinks and and we don't discuss anything. Those are the ones that I gravitated to, towards, um, and I appreciate people trying to fix me, but it it, it was kind of making me mad because you can't fix it, right? Um, so you, you kind of just again going back to knowing yourself, and um, mm-hmm. I knew what wasn't going to work for me, and what wasn't going to work for is um, people share people sharing their stories, so their loved ones that they lost. Um, people trying to fix me. Um, those are those are the two things that I knew was uh, I, I could feel that was was triggering me. So I kind of stayed away from those. You know what's interesting is that the common thread in what you're saying is um, people trying to control the situation. So whether you are the person who experienced the 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 devastation, the heartbreak, or the people around you are witnessing it, it seems that there is this this inclination for human beings (laughs) to try to control the situation and say, you know, we're going to fix it. We're going to make this, this pain go away. Your pain is making me uncomfortable. So I need to do something about your pain so that I can be okay. Um, I think that sometimes we need to just step back and, and just allow the thing to play out allow. And I think um, what uh, a tie Peace just said uh, what he said earlier. He said time. He said it may sound cliche, but time is a healer. Allow Mm -hmm. time to pass. Um, And I think also to your point, the idea of just allow the person to experience as much normalcy as possible. Let's go out and have drinks. Let's just experience some level of normalcy because when I get back home, things aren't normal again. So I need I need to feel some level of normal life rather than people trying to highlight it and exacerbate problem so right and it's and there's a there's a and it's tricky and I, I i will admit it's very tricky it is stepping stepping aside but not stepping away so yeah. it was kind of like i wanted to be left alone but i didn't want you it, it, it really is it really is tricky so yeah um give me my space but don't leave Right. If, 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 if that it. makes any sense, if that makes any sense. So sometimes yeah. I would go out. I would. I really, where I would find my safest places, I would go to a a cigar lounge. I smoke cigars, mm-hmm. and I would go, and nobody knew me. So I was by myself, but I wasn't alone. Yeah. And yeah. so no one is talking to me about, hey, how you doing? How how you holding up? We weren't talking about that. It was actually being around total strangers mm-hmm. and feeling like everything was okay. So I wasn't uh, alone, um, but I wasn't by myself. Either. Yeah, if that, if that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and if we look at the the 
the comment from Jamie um, below. It says it's important to embrace the negative because it's part of our truth just as much as healing. And so, um, so to some extent, we also have to acknowledge the negative part of the experience, um, you know, in order to be able to address it, to acknowledge that this is a part of the whole experience that I'm having. You can't completely push it back. Um, but yeah, I hear you. It's, it's how, where do I find my reprieve, you know, in, in all of this? One of the things, one of the biggest things I got from my therapist, and it was hard to do, but he said, embrace everything you feel. Don't run from it. So right. he's like, imagine, imagine it's a storm coming. Don't run, stand in the rain. And mm. I was kind of like, but I, I 100% agree. And I get it. And that's such a great analogy because what do you have to do to stand in the rain? You have to stand firm. You know, you've got to, it, it, I, I love that. I love that. Um, all right. So we're going to go to another break. Uh, stay with us and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and I am joined by Marcus Joyner III and we are talking relationships. So I, I love this comment here um, by Ty Peace because the reason, um, I, you know, I hear this a lot. Um, I think we underestimate the, um, the, the impact that relationships have on men. Um, and that rape, that breakup has on men. And so he says, um, you know, it's tougher on men uh, than I think most realize. Do men know this about each other? Um, do men fake each other out? Because I know a lot of times women don't know that men are struggling with it, <laughs> you know, so strongly. Do um, Ty is actually one of my one of my best friends. So um, he knows, and I and I think. Um, and I, you know what? And I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm safe in saying is my divorce, going through what I went through with my divorce, got us, um, got me and, and, a, and a couple other friends tighter. It, it brought us closer together because I was the, always the one that didn't didn't share things, maybe to one one person. And when I was going through that, um, I just opened up and shared more, and mm. they were there for me. And I think with me being vulnerable and sharing it with them then when they start going through some things they it, it felt safer it felt a safe place to do it and then we we lean on each other a lot through a whole lot of things mm. well so you know it's interesting because you know women i'm a woman <laughs> i don't know if you noticed <laughs> and, and we are pretty open about the about these things and, and maybe sometimes too much. I would say yes, probably way too much, uh, if that's possible. Um, you know, but we don't always know what's happening on the other side of the door. We don't always know what, um, you know, how men are, are dealing with this and sometimes even think, well, he doesn't even care. You know, he's just completely cold hearted about it. Um, and and that's, that's the assumption that I hear is the general rule. Either that or it's the other extreme. He's stalking me. You know what I mean? And so those are the two extremes that women tend to see with regards to how men deal with heartbreak. And so part of what I, why I, I like talking to you and other men about this is because we as women need to see the human element. We're not going to see everything that you go through behind closed doors. We're just, we're just not, we're not supposed to. But I think that, that too many women underestimate the human element of what men go through when they experience heartbreak. 
Um, Jamie has a question. Um, do you guys talk about problems in your relationships? Because women, whoo, we probably do too much of that. But <laughs> um, okay, so the, the there's a yes and no question. The, the yes and no answer. Yes, with my particular uh, group, my 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 core friends. But I would say overall, no. Um, you gotta understand what what we were taught by our uncles, our fathers, and what they were taught is to kind of hold it closer to the vest, um, and you know, be be tough. You know, a man doesn't do this, a man doesn't do that, um, a man doesn't cry. Um, but what they're not telling us is what to do with those emotions that we that we still feel. If you have a yeah. broken heart, you have a broken heart. You can't because I'm a man. I don't I don't have a broken heart. But they're not yeah. telling you what do you do with that. So what happens is, you you never heal. Uh, you take that to the next relationship, or you find a drug or some type of vice to 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 help you get through. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Um, I, I mean, I gotta get this acknowledged ties um, comment here. We're human. We have human emotions. Real men don't care um, what you think of um, showing emotions. If you hurt, you hurt still men at the end of the day. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that too often we um, under, underestimate or, or just really just don't acknowledge it. We're, we feel what we feel so much. We don't leave room to consider what the other party might be feeling as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, and, and I guess because I've said a couple of times, we might overshare as women, we might tell too much, we might. And, and so I guess it really isn't about how much you're sharing, because sometimes things need to be shared. You know, you don't want to stay tight lipped if you're in a, an abusive relationship. You want to talk about that. You want to tell that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's probably more of a matter of trust, because you said you have this tight circle. You can't just you know, call up anybody like, no. man, I'm hurt. You can't, I mean. <laughs> well, because the biggest fear is, and it's probably with women too, is something that you share in a moment, you know, vulnerable, and then it, it, it comes back to be used against you. I, I, I've yeah. been in a relationship where I've, I've shared some things and, um, and then it was used against me in an argument and it was kind of yeah. like, so then that makes you, makes you not want to share anymore. Right. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard that. I've heard that many times that that's the, you know, when you're vulnerable, of course, there's that fear that it's going to be used against you. But then when it really happens, um, it's debilitating. You're, you're just like, I'm shutting down. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going there anymore. Um, yeah. It, so it's important for us to, to be safe. Like this is within the, the relationship to be safe, to, to be able to share who we are, and and what we're feeling what we're going through um but i also think it's important to have people who can serve as an outlet for you um a sounding board for you we are you know people talk about everything needs to be private and um i, I think that we it, it depends <laughs> like i don't think there's one universal answer for every relationship um it depends um so we're going to go to break, but I want to acknowledge a, a, a comment from Kiana Howell. It's important to be mindful of who you are vulnerable with in your circles. Um, so, you know, be pay attention to those things um, because you can't be vulnerable with everybody. But you do need to have somebody you can be vulnerable with. So with that said, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Kate. I'm Dr. Paola, and I am joined by Marcus Joyner III, and we are talking about relationships. So um, I, I have to um, read this quote here from Jamie Moranci. Um, when I was going to break, I was saying that often as women, we don't really think about men and what they're dealing with, or just the other person in the party. Um, and the fact that this might be difficult for them as well. Um, and just kind of underestimate the, how this transition might be impacting them. And she says, I'm guilty of this too. I've never considered my ex-husband grieving our relationship because I felt he was responsible for the breakup and hashtag victim mode. And it's interesting because we tend to think, well, you know, you caused this thing. So you, you, you bear the consequences. Go ahead and suffer for this. I'm glad you're hurting too. And what that does is it really causes that transition to be even more difficult because you're spending that energy um, kind of wishing harm on them, actually, and and not really, um, I guess, being sensitive to the notion that they may be going through something, too. When I wrote my book, the three sections of my book is refocus, rebuild, relove. And the first part of relove is relove the X. My editor, the first editor I had for my book called me on the phone. He said, look, I'm divorced and I can't get with this section of your book that says relove your ex. I have no interest in reloving my ex. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, and what I meant by that was to, uh, they're human beings. They are your fellow, you know, brother and sister here on this earth. Um, how can you come to a place where this person you know, the, 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 the mention of their name does not cause emotions to rise up in a negative way um, where you can have some level of empathy and compassion, even if from a distance um, uh, from their experience. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, Marcus, from the standpoint of, <laughs> you know, just what has that meant for you or just, you know, other people that you've interacted with, with regards to really loving that X. Well, I guess first acknowledging that um, everything wasn't one person's fault. Okay. Yeah. So when you take your ownership of what you contribute to it, um, and then I guess this focus on just like with any with any loss, um, yeah, I think we tend to look at the bad, um, what the the what the hurt what the hurt caused or the separation caused, but um, hopefully that there was some good moments. Um, there were some good things that you, um, you know, can take away from that. Um, you can take away some positive mm -hmm. things and be like, you know what, if I, I like these positive things in a relationship and going forward, I would like to have similar positive. So it, 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 it depends on what you choose to fo focus on, the negative part of the relationship or the positive part. And um, with me, yeah. after, after I got through the emotional part, you just focus on um, – you know, the good parts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's one of the things that I, I um, have also talked about was that, you know, take the good and take it with you, you know, uh, you know, create the expectation that future relationships will in, in, you know, involve this element, not, not saying they have to be like that person, but maybe you experience a relationship where for the first time communication was solid. You're like, Whoa, this is like, amazing communication they have just elevated the expectation for anybody else you're ever with that you know what no we need to have solid communication um because i've experienced that and that is now a requirement for any relationship that i'm in on the other hand one of the relationships i was in um was that they didn't do bacon 
Like, look, I'm ba- I am a bacon eater. I love bacon. And so I had to sacrifice bacon from my life <laughs> for those years. And so I left that in that relationship. Moving forward, I do my bacon. <laughs> in fact, candy coated bacon. I mean, I go all out. I went all out when I got out of that relationship with my bacon. So what do you want to leave there? And then what do you want to take with you? So right. so really being able to parse through and, and and because it's all supposed to be a lesson and an experience in growth. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I was a free woman. I was like, I'm having my bacon. I'm having my bacon. Um, so the, the other thing is um, I, I wanted to, uh, again, acknowledge another post uh, uh, post here. Um, you know, Ty is saying it's tough because as men, you're taught to be the man. And when you lose love, you feel like you have failed in being the man. And I will admit that when that happens, there is no holding back in some cases um, for women making sure that you know that you have failed at being the man. And, and this is one of the reasons why I emphasize in my book, Relove the Ex, because when you spend that energy making sure he knows what he did to you, it takes away from your own process of healing because that that's not healing. Well, you know what? You know, what's the other side of that? When the man realized later on that he failed. Yeah. Know, realizing, wow, I I totally dropped the ball with that. Um, I, I, and then you can understand why somebody was not happy, upset, because you be like, wow, you know, when you have that moment and you can really, like I said, you, you get away from your feelings and have a real look back and you can take the mm-hmm. things that you did wrong. And, you know, yeah, it's it's a, it's a humbling experience. Yeah. It, and you know what? I think it takes patience and, and trust and belief that they will have their enlightenment. It's not your job <laughs> to enlighten them about what they you know, uh, all of the things that, that are, you, know, you don't want to cause the suffering and the torture and all of those things. Um, trust that time will allow those things to be revealed to that person. I think sometimes we spend way too much time and energy, especially with people who have kids together and they want to make sure that they suffer and that they, they use the kid as a tool because I'm going to make you pay. You, that's not your, you don't have to do that. That's not your job. Um, they actually learn from your integrity, from your ability to hold your head high, from you doing better in life. Um, that is probably more telling than any kind of revenge ever could be. So we're going to go into the second hour, um, but this is getting good. So, so stay with us. <laughs> All right, welcome to the second hour second hour of the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and I'm joined by Marcus Joyner III and we are talking about relationships and really um, how to move on when it's time to move on. Um, You know, as Marcus had mentioned, sometimes we end up taking that pain into a new relationship and there goes the cycle all over again. Um, So um, I think uh, we had, let me see, we have a few comments here. We have a question. Um, Jamie asks, where do where does a man go after the realization that they've dropped the ball? Oh, we all want to know that. Um, <laughs> how do they get past the guilt and live a productive life for themselves? 
just takes time. It, it, it takes time. Um, I mean, because you can't, you can't, you can't unring a bell. So you can just kind of. <laughs> one of the things that I do, um, and she's probably watching, is if there was something that we kind of bumped heads on, me and my ex, I will text her and be like, "Okay," yeah, and I'll explain the scenario to her, and she'll just start laughing. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So I will kind of go that step further, further, and kind of. You know, shoot a text and, and kind of okay. I uh, explain to her what happened. Uh, it just it's just taking time, just taking time and being and being real with yourself and what you're going. I mean, you can't you, you can't change what happened. You really try to change going further in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's I think that's that's powerful. Is the idea that you can't you can't change what happened. Um, it is really about what next um kiana is saying they should seek counsel from those that they know um can walk with them in their healing journey i.e therapist spiritual counsel mentor life coach um and absolutely um there are certain people that i recommend gravitating towards and pulling away from during this time um <laughs> this is kind of a comical name but i call them pooper scoopers people that you want to stay away from because they're the people who are more interested in hearing the drama of your life and in sort of relishing in the drama of your life than they are um, being, you know, genuinely a source of support for you. Um, two sources of support that I identified are the, uh, the, the people with the experience, you know, so they, they're the voice of experience. They've been there, but you don't want to just talk to anybody who has the experience. It's the people who have been there and they also have been through it and they have gotten to a better place in their life. So they have really been, they've cycled through and they have experienced the healing. Might want to stay away from people who've experienced it, but then they spiral. I noticed that as I was entering my forties, um, I, I came across more and more women who were <clears throat> had experienced divorce and had become bitter. I don't ever, I don't ever want to trust another man again. I don't ever want to, you know, get married again. I don't want to ever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and and that's a challenge, you know. I, I was like, I don't want to be exposed to that mindset because I have other things that I'm trying to do with my life. So you've got to be really careful about who you're seeking counsel from. Uh, yes, yeah, and and going back to that question, yeah, therapy, therapy, what is, is definitely something that helped me, and I, I recommend it, especially to um, other males. Um, and it, and it wasn't easy. I don't want to sugarcoat it that it was easy. Yeah. You know, like you see on TV, you you know, you lay down on the couch and and blah blah blah. No, it was it was the hardest <laughs> thing. I've um, and he didn't give me any answers. He made me. He led me to see these answers for myself. So it was yeah. one. Of, it was a, like a, you know, you, you realizing it on your own. He just kind of led me where he, where I. Needed. So it was definitely definitely. And then the, the beauty of that, well, the beauty of that is that it teaches you how to resolve your own problems next time it comes up because now you've got the skill set. They taught you how to think the, think through something, and so hopefully those skills will continue to be put into use as you experience new situations. So yeah, I love that. Um, we're gonna go to a break. Uh, when we come back, we are gonna, we're, we're gonna, we've got more conversation going. So stay with us, we'll be right back.
We made a promise to one another that we would never get lost in each other. And I broke that promise. And you let me. You have let me bend to your every need time and time again. Oh, we have kids? I have to step back from my job. You quit your job? I work overtime. You have a dream of buying your father's building. It becomes my dream too. You run for city councilman, I stand by your side. You win city councilman, now what? I'm supposed to give up what I love to become a politician's wife? How many days am I supposed to go to, Randall? And how long? And what if city council isn't enough? What then? That's not what no, I want. No, I finally have something. I have something that I have been looking for longer than I knew and I am not going to give that up. I am not going to bend. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Boy, is that, um, that's, a, that's a classic um, scenario, I think, um, that, that women talk about a lot. And I would love to hear from a man's standpoint, because I, I know women talk about a lot, just sacrificing and um, bending and, and adapting and, and to their dreams to what it is that their husband's doing. And in fact, I'm working on a book right now in which I, I write about this, um, but I would love to get your take. I mean, I'm looking at his face the whole time she's talking. Um, and I know you can't completely generalize, but what is a man thinking when he hears this? I mean, from what it looked like for me, uh, he was like, it seemed like he was hearing it for the first time. Or maybe he yeah. heard it, but he was he was finally hearing. Her. Um, mm. I think I've been I, I definitely was guilty of that. Like, you know, I'm not gonna say we think it's nagging, but yeah, we think it's nagging. And, <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then is is maybe it's the words you use, maybe it's emotional, but you hear that person that that one time, and it could be mm. her tenth time saying it, but it's the first time you're actually hearing it. Mm. Wow. You know, it's interesting um, because it, I, you know, I wonder if there any level of betrayal that he feels when he feels like he's hearing this for the first time. Like, wait a minute. I thought you gave up your job because you wanted to. I thought you took time off. I thought you worked overtime because we were in this together. Um, and, and yet she's doing all this with some level of resentment. Like, where do you balance that out? Because She's doing it because, yeah, I feel like I need to do this, but I hate that I have to do this. And he's doing this because, or he's saying she's, she is all for me. She's got my back. I don't have to worry about this. I'm a run for city council. I think it goes back to the communication. Like, yeah. like I've heard people, I heard um, older people say it when I was younger about when you get married, communicate. I, I think they need, they probably should have go a step further how much or how to communicate. Cause you hear mm -hmm. that, but everybody doesn't know how, how to communicate or yeah. <clears throat> how much to communicate. I think now oh. I kind of over. <laughs> I, I think I do too. Um, <laughs> I think that there is a, some, you know, what we also need to acknowledge that there's a lot of baggage that comes with communication. We've been traumatized in communication in a lot of ways based on the way that communication went in our previous relationships the ways in which maybe we were silenced um, in a workplace, silenced at home as children. Um, when I think about the, the plight of being black in the corporate world and some of the traumatizing lessons we learn about communication in the corporate world, 
and the ways in which we might bring that back to our relationships. Because when you're traumatized, you're traumatized and you, your brain doesn't necessarily discriminate that, oh, I'm in a safe place now until you start to become aware that you even have that trauma. I mean, and that's why I love that that James Baldwin interview that uh, yeah. you talked about a while back. Um, yes. Because he kind of talks about it. And that was in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we also take that from relationships to relationships. So if you're in one, one relationship and you don't feel like you had a voice, so that next next relationship, you kind of like, you're kind of like a tyrant. I'm saying everything and, and, and everything that comes to my mind, I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Either that or you go the other extreme and you're just completely silent. You just, right. you know, right. what are you thinking? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it goes both ways and gosh, I, if I had thought ahead of time, I would have had us play some of that um, James Baldwin interview. I mean, it was just that conversation between James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni um, was so powerful because I just saw two people who were able to just engage in tough dialogue in a respectful, affirming, and loving manner. And, and to me, that is a huge model of what we don't see so much of these days. See, in more conversations like that, they're not necessarily between um, couples, but I think between men and women, like yeah. me, just because it's two, it's two sides of the coin. And yeah. I, I know a lot of men um, that I know, they will express it around other men, but for some reason, um, they don't express it to the women. Um, yeah, it's, it's, two it's sides two sides of the coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, that one of the things that we probably need to learn to do is create safe spaces for our men to speak, but for men also to create safe spaces for us, you know, to speak and not to interpret it automatically as nagging, that maybe within what this big dusty cloud of nagging, maybe there's some nuggets in there <laughs> that, that that can be pulled out. And, and perhaps there's something about delivery that needs to be acknowledged, um, you know, and so I, I don't know, I feel like there's a whole course somewhere in this conversation <laughs> that needs to be created. Um, Jamie is saying sacrifice is not compromise. People confuse this in relationships. Sacrificing yourself will inevitably lead to resentment. It's not holding it. Uh, it's not you holding it down. One of the things I have to point out is that, um, you know, after I got divorced, I was sure that because in my mind, I didn't cause the divorce. And in my mind, I had what it took to facilitate a great relationship. You know, I'm, I'm a woman of integrity. I'm a great mother. I'm, you know, dedicated to my career. I love hard. I'm just, you know, all of these, I felt like I got everything that it takes. Not to mention that when I had my daughter, um, you know, my, I was thinking that wasn't my last child. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, have more kids. So over time, you know, I'm thinking I'm developing myself. When I wrote letters to the brokenhearted, I'm getting myself ready for that next relationship. Well, here we are 10 years later and I'm still not remarried. <laughs> I'm still single. And there, there came a time when I realized, wait a minute, um, I, there's some work that, that I need to do in the world that I'm, I'm best 
doing as a single woman. Not because uh, I, I, I can't, there's not a man on this earth who would be a great partner in the things that I'm doing, but because what I've learned about myself is that when I do have a man in my life, I do exactly what she said in that video. I sacrifice everything. I drop everything. I, I, I didn't write the whole time I was married. You know, I'm just not productive because my devotion is completely to my husband. And so even, I mean, the Bible, Paul in the Bible says, it's better that you guys don't marry. <laughs> and now I, I used to turn my nose at that. Now I get it. Because if you have a certain mission in life and you are the kind of person that will allow your marriage to pause that mission, then it might be better for you to just stay single. And, and so for me, I was angry the first, you know, I don't know, halfway through this 10 year period, like, okay, look, Lord, I've done all the work. I have written a book over how to overcome. I have helped people, like I should be the one getting married. But what I've realized is that had I gotten married before I realized what I do when I'm married, which is to pause my purpose, I would never have created the things that I've created or done the things that I've done in this time period because I would have allowed marriage to distract me from that. At this phase of my life, I know better. So I needed those years. This 10 year period has been so enlightening and needed that I am like, woo, so we're gonna, I'm gonna go on, we're gonna come back and we're gonna continue to talk about that. But so <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Back the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm joined by Mark Chris Joyner III, and we are talking about relationships. And um, whew, what I was saying before the break <laughs> was that essentially, thank God I did not get married in this 10 year period since my divorce, because that was, I would have had no clue whatsoever that it would be 10 years past and I'm still not married. And there was a time where I actually did get angry about it and was like, what's up? What's going on? Why, you know, my window is closing. There's, you know, <laughs> what's happening? Um, and I have really come to realize and have come to complete and total peace with the understanding that I had work to do. And we always think when you have work to do, it's, it's, it's just work on yourself. I had work to do in the world. I had things that I needed to create that I, I likely never would have created with, the, definitely not with the men that I've met before, because I, as I displayed in those relationships, I was completely devoted to them and their well-being and bringing them up and building them. And I used that purpose I have to build other people to focus solely on the husband or the boyfriend or, you know, and, and not use that in other ways. So Ty says it is a balance. Relationships are truly work and become the main focus over goals and real life. It's tough at times, but you can learn that balance. Watch out. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, he's right. Balance, balance is the key. And that's actually something that I'm aware that I struggle with. And it's something that I'm, that I'm, I'm working on that balance. Um, yeah. Ty, Ty, his wife actually worked together um, a couple of uh, business ventures that they did do together. And um, it's not easy, but they do it together and it, it is a balance. So yeah. um, trying to do, you know, certain things that you, that you want to do 
and 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 also have a love life it, it needs to be a, a balance and um so i'm, I'm working on some balance <laughs> absolutely and and i love what kiana said um that she said she can relate to that perspective relationships can be a distraction when you're not clear of your purpose path and how to preserve it and um and you know it's interesting because i thought i knew i thought it was clear you know i i i was working in my career i was writing i was doing things but you know i had no idea what my capacity was or what what the my capability was until i did it until i stepped into it and um it's so much higher and greater and deeper and wider than i ever would have realized had i not dove in head first so so last year um, and we're going to talk about the next week we're talking about building wealth and finances and all of that. But I'll just quickly say that last year I bought a house and in the home buying process, I learned it was it was a difficult home buying process. And it's not the first time I've bought a house by myself, um, which made it even more frustrating because this is the third time I've bought a house by myself. But in this case, I had to fight in ways that I've never had to fight before. I had to fight in ways where I would probably say, babe, can you just call them and deal with it for me? Or can you, you know, I would have just, I would not have had to be at the forefront of this fight or nor would I've had to done this by myself. Um, the ways in which I had to stand up for myself, had to say no, had to not take no for an answer. I learned things about myself that I didn't even know was in me. And so, at some point, I came to realize it's not about marriage being the goal. It's not about at the end of the day, if I ended up getting married, I succeeded in life. And that is what we are told, at least women, are told that the goal is marriage. You're not dating just to date. You're dating to get married. And because I had that mindset, that caused me to be in a place of anger like well why isn't any of this working you know and so i'm, I'm i know I'm, I'm i'm talking i want i want to hear your perspective Marcus. but it's, it was just so enlightening to me to realize that marriage is not the be-all end-all your purpose is and when you're walking and living in that purpose when marriage comes when that relationship comes then you can you're already you know, understanding who you are and you bring that person to the marriage. Um, so we have to go to another break. <laughs> um, but but it's just that I just think it's so important for us to understand that we've got to get our stuff in order. And yes, this can happen in the context of a relationship, but it's so important to realize that balance, as Ty said, and to not lose yourself in the process. Stay with us. We'll be right back. for the second hour is a concept that I have talked about quite a bit on the show um, and it's post-traumatic growth and this is the idea that we grow after experiencing traumatic situations and yes relationships count as potentially traumatic situations breakups count as potentially uh, traumatic situations so just by definition um, and, and this is research that um, comes out of the University of North Carolina, led by um, researchers Calhoun and Tedeschi. They um, coined the term and they do a lot of research on it. Um, and so a lot of my work is actually grounded in this idea of post-traumatic growth. I've got a little hear it should be on here. Uh, but post-traumatic growth is the positive, is positive psychological change 
that some individuals experience after a life crisis or traumatic event. So again, the key word here is positive psychological change. Post-traumatic growth doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't experience deep stress, um, but rather that adversity can unintentionally yield changes in understanding oneself, understanding others and understanding the world. And so this is, again, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, it's so important for us to take these lessons, tweak our lives and move forward as a result of the lessons that we've learned. And so the idea is that after every relationship, there are lessons um, and we can grow um, from those situations. One of the things that I had mentioned earlier um, is that uh, you know, as I was approaching my 40s, I met more and more women who were bitter. They were like, I never want marriage again. And I just want to make the distinction here that in in my statement that marriage is not the be all end all, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of bitterness. It really comes from a place of enlightenment and, and the idea that as we um, allow our lives to unfold, we're not forcing things. We're not demanding that the next step is that I get married, but that we're allowing our lives to unfold naturally. So Marcus, bringing you back into this conversation, um, uh, you know, I, I would love to know, you know, because one of the things that I guess has gotten to me the most is that men who are relationship experts put a lot of pressure on women to do all the right things to get a husband. Um, you know, you've got, and I don't know if you've noticed that because they're talking to us usually. So I don't, I don't know if you've noticed the dialogue of <laughs> these relationship experts that say, you know, woman, if you do this, you'll get your husband. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that in terms of, you know, if you, you know, implement the 90 day rule, you get a husband. If you, um, you know, there's just all these rules. What are your thoughts about these rules that we have to follow? I mean, I don't think... <clears throat> I guess it's good to have some type of rules, but I, I, I think it's, it's BS. I mean, I think when you you meet somebody that you vibe with, y'all click with, y'all have things in common. This there's real good dialogue. Then those rules don't really hold true. Um, especially the whole. I know when you're younger, when you meet somebody, you call them. Don't call them the next day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Well, why? I mean, who came up with these? <laughs> um, you know, if you want to, if you want to call that person, call that person. Um, you want if you know, just go go back to being your truth. And if that person is for you, I think it will all work out um, in the wash, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's there's. I think um, probably too much intention. Um, if this is the right way to say it too much energy being put into that 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 final goal which people you know say you know i i gotta get i gotta get that ring i gotta get that ring um jamie says marriage is not the be all end all as she's quoting me um your purpose is now when we get this um then it makes sense that the person we marry is compatible with our purpose and then so then we're in alignment you know with um the person that we're with they're not hopefully feeling intimidated by the work that we're doing because they already knew the work we were doing when we came into this situation. Um, one of the things that I, I read as I was rereading, so the book that I'm writing is called Joyfully Single. 
Um, and it's, it's the idea that it's okay. Hey, it's you can do this in joy. You don't have to feel like something's missing uh, from your life because you're single. And one of the things I said is that um, have we ever found a scripture in the Bible that says a woman who finds a husband finds a good thing? Um, <laughs> so, and, um, and I don't say that to male bash. It is a good thing if it's a good situation. Um, but I say that to say that it, I don't think that all of our energy and everything that we do needs to be spent on that ultimate goal, that, that you know, final destination. Um, because I think that we will attract what is supposed to come to us if we just focus on being who we are. Well, I, I think there's, there's two. Okay, so for that particular thing, there's two things. So I think some people are so focused on getting married that you don't enjoy the journey of getting to that point. Yeah. And then when you get married, then what? What's what's after that? If that was your <laughs> if that was your goal for so many years and then you get your goal, then what? Yeah. You know? And you know, and so sadly I see that that is the goal and then what is it becomes a very real reality that hits when then what arrives, you know, I, I recall, you know, and I have these relationship discussion events and it's been quite a while since I've had one women wine wisdom. And I had a couple show up and they were so focused on how they did this grand proposal. And it, it was so, it was such a showboating display of coupleship that I, I mean, I, it, to me, everything was apparent. I, there was some issues with the, the guy. I was like, this, there's something wrong with it. He, he's not all right. And, you know, and then I, it was, it came off across very strongly that the woman was like, I got my husband, you know, and it, but there was no depth. It was just the surface level showy. They, they looked like this quote unquote power couple, but they weren't, and it was abundantly obvious, at least to me. And I, and it just like I wanted to grab them both and say, "Look, like, sit down," you know, and, because because it it just I and I don't know if you've seen this. I feel like we've all seen this, where the relationship is more about what we display to the world um, than it is about who we are to each other, what we're here to become together. There was a maybe a little bit. There's probably yeah, a little small, not on that big scale. I think I was I was guilty of that. You know, I I used to be the um, you know the Facebook tag in here. We hit there. We we hit there. We did there. And um, yeah. and looking, you know, going through what I went through, and I realized that I was I was more into telling people that I was happy than actually being as happy as I was displaying. Yeah. So yeah, that was a it, it, that was a a, a a realization for me. Um so now I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I say don't do that. I agree. I don't don't do that if you're not truly happy. I mean yeah. I don't necessarily have an issue with people checking in and you know we're in Hawaii and you know share your life. That's what Facebook is about. Um, but but I, I just think that we, we shouldn't lose sight of authenticity and truth. And and so I can tell, I really can. I think I need to like make some money doing this. 
But I can tell when I see a couple that is not going to make it versus a couple where I can see genuine, this is the genuinely, truly happy couple. And I am never wrong. Every single time, I, it's without question, the other person disappears from their page and it was as if it never happened. And, and not that, you know what, things happen. Relationships evolve. They come and they go. But sometimes it's just so abundantly obvious. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know how they don't see it. it. I think people think they can just kind of fake their way through a situation and it's going to fix themselves. And the reason why I know that is because that's what I did. I thought if I fake myself, fake my way through this relationship over time, it'll heal. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Um, but you don't just figure it out. It, it actually takes work. It does. It does. It it takes to work. I mean, a lot of things we already said. Communication, um, knowing knowing your 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 true self, past things, all of that goes into the pot to even really have a shot for a successful relationship. And then you know you still have to do the work. You still have to do yeah. it once you're in the marriage. Once you're in the relationship, you know. It's, it's almost, uh, a, a guy explained it to me. You know, I'm a big sports person, so I use all these analogies. It's kind of like boxing. When you don't, when you don't have the belt, you you're training, you're doing all these things, fighting everybody, and then when you get the championship, a lot of people stop because because you are the champion. So you stop, you stop doing everything that got you there, and then that's when you lose. But so I gotta use the the fight analogy for um the fight that just happened this weekend. Woo! And and there was a whole lot of showboating going on. And what I and I'm sorry, I can't think of their names. I know it was it was Nigeria, and it was was it where's the other guy from? Uh I can't think of it. But the little the short guy from Nigeria, he his strategy was was in the mind. It was precision. It was um, you know they had a, he had a game plan. It was like I'm gonna follow my strategy. The other guy was about showboating. I'm big and I'm strong and I'm going to just beat him down. And that's that's not what wins. <laughs> what wins is strategy. Um, and, and so the same thing, I think, is the case for relationships. What wins is strategy. What wins is stamina. And it's, it's not, oh, we're having another fight. I'm tired. No, 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 no. <laughs> if, we're, if we're planning on being in this for the long haul, we've got to have the stamina to, to keep going. We've got to have a strategy to, to, to keep this relationship intact. And so it just like we would do with exercise, just like we would do with trying to get a promotion at the job, you've got to have a strategy. You've got to be consistent. You've got to have that stamina. Um, so, so we're going to a break. Um, I know you're going to have to leave us shortly. So when we come back, um, I just want to get some final words of wisdom from you. So think about that while we're on break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Live Exchange, I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Marcus Joyner III. And I mentioned Nigeria, and I have to acknowledge that today is Nigerian Independence Day. Yes, it is. Um, so that victory was was perfect timing. <laughs> uh, Marcus and I have been talking about relationships and um, just want to have some words of wisdom that you might want to leave our audience with as you leave us. And I, I don't know, 
Um, we, we don't see your eyes. You might want to, <laughs> there you go. Right. We want to see your whole face. <laughs> so, so what would you leave us with Marcus? Wow. That's a, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I would just encourage, um, you know, any, any, any men that, um, we've all gone through traumas, everything from our childhood and, um, to just carry over. Um, it's, it's okay. It's okay to, I mean, you would go to a doctor if you're sick. You would, if you were in uh, financial trouble, you would seek somebody that could help you out that way. And our, our mental health, um, there are more athletes starting to come out now to uh, speak about it. So maybe that will, going forward, it will it will help change that narrative. But um, it's, it's, it's perfectly okay to go and do the work. Um, you know, reach out to somebody, you know, do your research. And... Um, and just heal. It, it, it yeah. definitely changed me. It changed how I view life. It, it, it changed my relationships. Um, you know, definitely the best thing I've, I've ever done. Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. And I'm, I look forward to you um, finishing up this uh, degree in hospitality. Um, because I can see you creating something really awesome with, <laughs> um, with your, you know, just kind of your life experience. And, and it's amazing how we take our life experiences and we can, can build things with it. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, you know, keep your eyes, no pressure, Marcus. Everybody keep your eyes on Marcus. Oh, no, <laughs> Join no. We're definitely working on a couple of things. Uh, COVID kind of slowed some things down, but we're definitely working on some things. So stay tuned. I love it. I love it. All right. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned. Um, and thank you so much for joining us, Marcus. Um, I, I think um, we're, we're going to, we can go ahead and, and let you drop off. I know you've got a, another commitment, but thank okay. you again so much for joining us. And, um, and thank you to um, those who have, you know, who you're, your people have been commenting. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right. Um, so we're going to continue um, just the, the the next 15 minutes. And I really want to acknowledge some of your comments and some of the things that you all have said um, along the way. And one of the things that um, I just going back to um, the conversation that we were having about, you know, being by ourselves and, and what, you know, really the value of that. And one of the uh, comments that Jamie put up was that creative energy is best cultivated in her quiet space where she only focuses on herself. And that is so important because our, our quiet space can be a physical space. Or it can be a time period, meaning that in this phase and in this season of my life, this is my quiet space. And I think that too often we fight that. We, we try to buck against it because there are other things that we want to do. There's other things we, that we see, you know, um, people doing or that we, that we want to have for ourselves and we want it now. Um, and, and I know because I'm guilty, I, I definitely tried to fight that quiet, creative season of my life um, because I, I had plans. I had things that I needed to have done. And so, um, but I am so glad that I just allowed life to unfold the way that it's unfolding um, because I see the benefits. I see, um, uh, and that's just, you know, to put it lightly, I see the benefits. Um, 
So moving on, um, Ty says that I see young couples all the time. Um, I don't plan for the, no, no, I'm sorry. I see, I tell young couples that all the time. Don't plan for the wedding day, plan for the days after. And it sounds cliche, right? It sounds like, oh yeah, of course, we know that there's something after the wedding day, but no, no, this is a, actually, it's real. Um, you, you actually truly want to do the work. It's like getting um, the degree, you know, I'm, I'm finishing school, I'm graduating, and I'm going to try to get this job, but I don't know anything about this industry, really. Um, I'm just going to jump in there and see what happens. <laughs> um, because I skated through my degree. I didn't take it seriously. I didn't learn anything. I didn't take my time on it. I don't know nothing about this, but I'm going to get the job. And, you know, how sustainable is that? And so the same thing goes for relationships. Take it seriously. Don't skate through the dating period. Um, the dating period, in fact should be fun. Um, it should be educational. It should be um, enlightening, empowering, enriching. If you're not experiencing that in the dating period, um, then, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of substance to go into a marriage. If the only thing you're talking about when you're dating is marriage um, in terms of, you know, what, what your marriage will look like and so forth, if that's the only thing you're talking about, that's not enough. It's not enough. You've got to talk about who each of you are. You've got to learn about each other's communication styles. You've got to be willing to to dig deep and and learn about childhoods. And you know, I, I know a couple that says that they do not talk about past relationships. That they will they are literally blind to each other's past relationships. No talk about exes. Period. And that's not healthy. It's it in my mind that's not healthy, and I don't know what you all think about that. I would love to hear your comments about that. If you have parameters around conversations about exes, can that bring up emotions? Absolutely. But if you the two of you can't handle emotional conversations in your relationship, what does this mean for your marriage? <laughs> you know. Um, so these this is the place where you should be practicing these things with each other. And that's another thing that I talk about in Letters to the Brokenhearted is that practice. Practice while dating, even if you aren't in a committed relationship, practice having um, conversations that you're not comfortable with. Practice speaking your expectations um, and, and you know who you are and just being authentic. Practice that. So that when you do get into a serious relationship, it's not something that you have to think twice about. It's something that comes more naturally. When you do get in your serious relationship, the two of you together should be practicing different dynamics in communication, um, should be practicing, um, you know, scenarios. It, it, everything shouldn't happen for the very first time when you get married. That's what I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Everything shouldn't happen for the very first time when you get married. Um, so to look at another comment, um, Dethrick says, take time for yourself to heal. Many rush into the next relationship and then find themselves in the exact same situation. Yes. Um, and we see that, we see that, you know, so often. Um, and, and, I know people who have done this. They've just kind of cycled through 
the same relationship over and over again, different person, same scenario, um, and and blame the other person, you know, and blame the world and say, you know, everybody does this to me. Everybody treats me badly. Everybody um, abuses me. If that is the common thread in your life, it's, it's therapy is, is you've got to get some therapy. You've got to get some coaching. You've got, you've, you, it's essential that you figure out what that common trigger is in your life to create, that creates the same results all the time. Not victim blaming, it's victim empowering. If, if you're constantly experiencing the same thing over and over again, then you've got to find your power in the situation. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what that looks like to find your power in the situation. Um, and then I see a couple of comments here, so we'll, we'll definitely cover those when we come back. So stay with us. We're almost done. We'll be right back. Back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and uh, today uh, we've been talking relationships. I was joined by Marcus Joyner the third earlier, and um, great conversation. And I've just got to acknowledge some of these comments that we've got here. Um, Kiana says people fear learning or sharing information that can fuel comparison or insecurities. However, if you focus on the lessons learned without demonizing your ex, those are the discussions to engage about the past. And this was with regards to that idea that uh, can you talk about exes in your current relationship? My goodness, I, I believe you sh we should be able to talk about just about anything in your current relationship. If they are supposed to be this huge piece of your world, um, by all means, uh, the communication should be open. So I agree, Kiana, there's a lot of fear that fuels that, um, you know, and, and insecurity that exists within us. And so if we have these kinds of restrictions or these kinds of blocks, we might want to find out what the root of that is because we really should be able to have conversations, um, uh, even if it's about exes. Now, these conversations can also be revealing. If these conversations lead to kind of showing that there's still some unresolved emotions and unresolved issues with regards to the ex, we can't be afraid of that either. Um, if we're going to have these conversations, we also need to be willing to tackle the baggage um, that may show up as a result of these, um, you know, conversations that we might not realize was there. Um, Ty says, um, we have to be comfortable in our skin. Um, there were relationships that existed before you, and as long as the past stays the past, let's talk. So um, sometimes we are able to talk about the past because it gives us insight into who the person is today. And the more that you block that out, the, the more that you, um, I guess, block the, the ability to learn more about the person that you're with. So there's, there's so many um, benefits to having that open line of communication, um, you know, and, and, and communication is, is, it's huge. It's not everything because with communication comes the ability to take in what the person is saying to you. Um, without allowing your stuff to get in the way, without allowing your insecurities, your biases, um, you know, your triggers, you know, really have put a halt on progress. And so 
I know that we always say communication is key, and it is, but communication doesn't come alone. Um, you've got to actually be a master communicator, um, which, you know, it doesn't come overnight. It takes practice. I can't emphasize practice enough. It takes practice. So practice. So whether you are um, married or dating or single, take opportunities to practice communication. Um, you know, if you're married, have practice conversations with your spouse, set rules, say, you know what, we're going to test this. <laughs> we're going to have a conversation about X and we're going to practice what it means to listen to one another and to to manage our emotions as we go through this process. doesn't mean emotions don't exist, but it means that we are going to learn how to manage our emotions in a way that's not going to damage the other person, in a way that's not going to damage ourselves or our relationship. Um, you know, there's there's a need for us to really master this thing called communication because I think it's one of the biggest things that's hurting our relationships these days. And to not only master the communication itself, but to master yourself, to learn your stuff, to be a student of you. Who are you? And what are your issues? What's your stuff? What's your baggage? And how are those things creating blocks on communication? And how are those things creating blocks on your um, relationships? So am I married? No, I'm not married. Was I married? Yes, I was. And I've learned so much in both realms, being married and um, and, and being single. And, and I'll say that the, the last 10 years of my life, have been absolutely um, amazing and productive and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So embrace where you are, embrace those lessons because those are the lessons that are gonna take you to the next level in your life. I wanna thank you for tuning into the live exchange where we exchange compelling dialogue every week and together we can right the wrongs, we can speak the truth, we can rise above and we can stand for change. Thank you for tuning in and join us next week as we talk about wealth. Have an awesome week.